0: Time, Okay, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word, and um, I have the scriptures in PowerPoint, but you are welcome to, you know, follow along in your Bible. But I, I simply entitled this, Taking Another Look at What You Already Have. How many of you know what God has given us is sufficient? Yes. And um, if you're following along in your Bibles, I want you to open to Second Samuel chapter 11, and we're going to look at our verses. Second Samuel chapter 11, and we're going to begin reading with verse one. Is the PowerPoint ready, hun? Okay. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. And it came to pass at the time kings go forth to battle. Everybody say kings. That David sent Joab, and he sent Joab's servants with him, and all Israel. They destroyed the children of Ammon, but David, everybody say King David, tarried still at Jerusalem. But it was the time that kings go forth to war. And it came to pass in an evening tide, David arose from his bed, walked upon the roof, and he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Come on, we're dealing with a soap opera with Bathsheba. Verse 3, And David sent and inquired after the woman, And one said, Is not this Bathsheba the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her. And the woman conceived and sent and told David, I am with child. Next, let's go down to verse 14. And it came to pass, David wrote a letter to Joab. That's David's captain. And he sent it by the hand of Uriah, that's Bathsheba's husband. Uriah is carrying his own death warrant, but he doesn't know it. Because in verse 15, here's what's in the letter. David said, Uriah, um, I'm sorry, he said to Joab, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire from him, that he may be smitten and die. You know, set him up like a sitting duck here. Okay, verse 26. Then it says, And when the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba, heard that Uriah was dead, she mourned for her husband. Verse 27. And when the mourning was past. David fetched her to his house. She became his wife and bare him a son. The one that was conceived out of the adulterous affair. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Now I want to make an introductory comment before we get into this. I want to tell you before we start, this message is timeless. Somebody say yes. It's for all ages. It's for all people. Men and women, it's for all classes. Rich and poor, the elite and the down and out. Because it reveals to us how Satan can cause a man or woman, boy or girl, who have a heart for God to still fall prey to his distractions. Somebody say yes. I have a challenge tonight for you, Pentecostal Tabernacle. I want you to fulfill your ministry. Can we pray? Lord, I thank you for sovereignly directing our steps to Madison, um, to this church, Lord, here in Connersville, and I just thank you for what you spoke to our hearts this morning. Oh, what a savior. And I thank you what you want to speak to our hearts tonight. I pray that you will love these people through me. Help this old woman one more time, Lord, to preach with brokenness and humility and tenderness. We're going to make it all about you, Lord. And I pray that your divine purposes will be accomplished in the altar service. Give me good recall. Help me to share with them publicly the things that you shared with me privately. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And all the church said, you may be seated. Taking another look at what you already have. Okay, the first slide here. I want you to look at this, The American Gothic by Grant Woods. Somebody say, Yes. This is probably the most famous farmer in America. Everybody say, God bless the farmers. Okay, I want to start with this story. Once there was this farmer who grew discontent with his farm. I called this home not so sweet home. <laughs> he grew discontented with his farm. Because, number one, the lake on his property was always having to be stocked and managed. So he griped about that. Next, the hills on the farm made the roads hump. So that forced him to always have to drive up and down and up and down. So that got on his nerves. (laughs) Then there were those fat cows lumbering through his pasture. And he was talking about all the fencing and all of the feeding that they required. Everybody say, oh, those fat cows. So he decided he was going to sell this place and move somewhere nice. Well, he called a real estate agent and he made plans to have his farm listed in the local newspaper. So a few days later, the agent called and he said, I want your permission to put this following ad in the paper. And here it is. I quote the ad. A lovely farm in an ideal location, quiet and peaceful, contoured with rolling hills, carpeted with soft meadows, Nourished by a fresh lake and blessed with well-bred livestock. The farmer said, would you read that ad again to me? So he read it. A lovely farm in an ideal location. Quiet and peaceful. Contoured with rolling hills carpeted with soft meadows nourished by a fresh lake and blessed with well-bred livestock. The farmer said, "Well, I've changed my mind. I'm not going to sell. I've been looking like a pla- uh, looking for a place like that all my life." <laughs> You say, well, Edna, no, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Another look changed everything because another look helped him to see the value of what he already had. Somebody say yes. Now, I pray that taking another look will cause us not to be blinded to the value of what we already have listen up here at this old former school marm contentment is one of the greatest weapons that you and i have to defeat the plans and purposes of satan because satan does not know how to handle a man woman boy or girl that can say this scripture here for whether we live we live unto the lord or whether we die We die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. Come on. This is an awesome. He doesn't know how to handle that. Now, I want us to go to this rooftop scenario with David and understand some things. First of all, number one, it was David's discontentment that spawned the trap, and that trap would uh, adversely affect him and his entire family the rest of his life. Somebody say yes. Adultery and murder. Mm. Discontentment spawned the trap. Now, Satan had this all figured out. How can I cause a man after God's own heart to fall? How many of you know the Bible describes David that way? Aren't you glad for the wonderful grace of God? Yes. But he said, I know how I can do this. A man after God's own heart. I will just simply blind him to what he already has." Now, I'm going to talk about Bathsheba. Tonight, she was a flesh and blood woman for David. But how many of you know that Bathsheba could represent any beautiful distraction? You know. I'm not just dealing with adultery tonight. In context, it's a flesh and blood woman. But listen, he said, I'll blind him to what he already has. Case in point, look at Bathsheba. He already had her. The Bible said she was beautiful to look upon. But listen, church, at the same time, here's what David already had. He had a wife named Abigail. And the Bible said she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. And I said to myself, duh, this is not the proverbial dumb blonde. She's got brains and beauty. It's an unbeatable uh, combination. But I want to tell you something. There's something else that we can learn from the rooftop scenario. You can have something already beautiful and not realize what you've got. Come on. Glory to God. And I'm not just talking about a woman. I'm talking about any beautiful distraction. Discontentment. But another dis word came to me. How about disengagement? We can learn this from the rooftop. Because the Bible says, at the time kings go forth to battle, everybody say kings, King David tarried still at Jerusalem, and from the roof he saw a woman very beautiful. So listen, um, we read in our text That David sent Joab, the captain of his army, and he sent Joab's servants with Joab. And he sent all Israel. Everybody but King David himself went to fight the Ammonites. But I want to tell you something. This disengagement from the battle. He gave up the fight. Somebody say yes. And discontentment. He's got a beautiful wife. She's got brains. Discontentment, disengagement would be used by Satan to set the trap for David to fall for a beautiful distraction. You say, Edna, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Giving up the battle leads to giving in. Said in another way, when you're not where you need to be, And not doing what you need to do. Then you set yourself up to be distracted. Can I hear an amen? I want to challenge you tonight. To make sure you are where you need to be. Doing what you need to do. So that you don't fall for some beautiful distraction. There's a lot more distractions other than a flesh and blood woman. Somebody say yes. Mm, I want to challenge you. I want to tell you something church. Jesus is coming. They tell me over in the Temple Institute. I didn't get a chance to visit it when we were in Israel. They're already training young men in the priesthood. How to offer sacrifices. I've heard that they are even gathering money for a temple to be built. Listen to me. If we're ever going to be doing what we need to do and be where we need to be, it's right now. Can I hear an amen? Jesus is coming. I'm telling you, if you've got a guitar hid somewhere, get it out, dust it off, bring it to church, sing your song. Teach your class. Go to the jail if you've got a jail ministry. Go to the nursing home. Preach, teach, prophesy. Whatever you do, get it out and do it. Take another look at what you already have. Don't let discontentment and disengagement cause you to be distracted. All right. Now. I want us to look at this. I'm challenging you, don't give up the fight. Fight the good fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6.12. Because I want to tell you something. Look at this. The safest place to ever be is right in the center of God's will. Right in the heat of the battle. Remember... The story of of the three Hebrew boys. The Bible said that the fire slew those men that took them up. Where was the safest place to be? Right in the furnace. That's where Jesus was. The safest place. Fight the good fight. Don't get disengaged. Okay, how many of you know it's time for the kings to go forth to war? War against the kingdom of darkness. Now, I want us to move to chapter 12. Our text, you know the soap opera, was in chapter 11. Let's go to chapter 12 now to examine Nathan's confrontation of David's sin. The prophet that comes to confront him. Let's look at it. First of all, Nathan says, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. He said, I anointed thee king. This is God speaking through the prophet. I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. I gave thee thy master's house, the house of Israel and of Judah. Everybody say, I anointed thee. Say, I delivered thee. And say, I gave thee. And he continues. He said, And David, if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Now, church, I want to tell you something. What God had already given David before the rooftop ever happened, it did become too little in David's eyes. How many of you want to treasure what the Lord has given you? Yes. Now, I want us to look at these. Note the past tense of those three verbs. I gave thee, you know, before you ever walked on that roof, I gave thee, I anointed thee, for you walked on the roof. I delivered thee. They denote what David already had. Some of it long time, years before the rooftop. And listen, consequently, when David When what David already had became too little in his eyes, then the distraction became too beautiful in his eyes. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, I want us to examine some major sources of discontentment that caused some pastors to leave their ministries altogether. I'm not talking about just leaving here and going to another church and picking up. I'm talking about... Why some ministers left the ministry altogether. You need to be aware of this. Half of those who enter the ministry quit before retirement. Somebody say, wow. Say it again backwards, wow. Half who enter the ministry will quit before retirement. Why? Okay, look at this online survey. This survey was given uh, to 734 former pastors, and it represents four churches, four Protestant denominations, the Assemblies of God, that's Pentecostal, Church of the Nazarene, the Lutheran Church, and the Southern Baptist Convention, 734. And here are the top five answers why these Pastors got out of the ministry altogether. First of all, the 40% of them said it was because they had a change in calling. But how many of you know Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance? Okay, so I'm not going to spend time on that. Look at the next thing. Conflict in church. 25%, one-fourth of the 734 pastors said it was because of conflict. Another 19% said they left the ministry and got out because of burnout. And then the last two tie. Personal finances made up 12% of the reason why um, they left the ministry altogether. And another 12% said it was family issues. Okay, now listen to me church. Whatever our ministry... I realize everybody in here doesn't have a pulpit ministry, but I want you to look at that survey. How many of you would agree that no matter what uh, your ministry is, we can all identify with conflict, burnout, family issues, and finances? I thought, well, this was good, you know, for whatever your ministry is. And look at this next slide. Even though over half of those who enter the ministry quit before retirement. Still, the Bible tells us this. Take heed. I don't know why I came to Connersville to say this, but this is what the Lord said to tell you. Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Colossians 4, 17. What's Paul saying? He's in the jailhouse. How many of you know good things come out of the jail? In prison. This is the Colossians. And he said, he's saying, be sure you do all the Lord has told you. And I want to tell you something. Look up here. I'd tell anybody that wants to go uh, preach. Yes, you'll have conflict. I don't know how many times we resigned Bethel Assembly of God in the 15 years. We just never turned it in. There's going to be burnout. Ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. No, I put my arms around every young man and every one young woman that felt like they had a call of God, and I'd say, go for it. Because what God has given you is sufficient. You're not going to be happy until you get, start doing what you need to be doing and being in the place where you need to be. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Hmm. We can all identify with that. Now, I want us to take a, a look again at that confrontation to discover some keys where Nathan the prophet is confronting David about this sin. Key number one, you need to take another look at the power of a Holy Ghost anointing. Mm. All right. The first, thus saith the Lord to David, was this. God said through the prophet, I anointed thee. Now look up here. This ain't rocket science. How many of you know the anointing of the Holy Ghost can take care of conflict and burnout and finances and family issues? I'm telling you what, you already have the anointing of the Spirit of God in your life, it is enough, and don't let it become too little in your eyes. Hmm. So what God was saying to David through the prophet was this, I anointed thee, for you ever got up here and walked on the roof, I anointed thee, and he said, he's saying, you did not have to fall. My anointing was enough to keep you from falling, somebody say yes, and to enable you to fulfill your calling. Now, listen to this. Let's go back to the first time that David was anointed by the prophet Samuel. Hey, he was anointed as a kid, a teenager. Maybe 16, 17 years old. He doesn't reign. start his reign until he's 30. There's 13 years that's passed, and then I don't know how long it was before he saw Bathsheba, but he had an anointing at least, what, 15 years, maybe 20 years, you know, before he ever took a walk on the roof. Okay, Samuel anointed him, look at that, in the midst of his brethren. This is the first time he was anointed. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, listen, from that day forward and I'm going to tell you something church this anointing in chapter 16 is the key to David's victory over Goliath in chapter 17 and for every other giant he's going to face from that day forward now look up here again that's that old school teacher look up here look up here the same anointing that came on him In chapter 16, and enabled him to defeat Goliath in chapter 17. It came on him from that day forward. How many of you know that same anointing could have kept him from falling into adultery and murder? Come on. I anointed thee. That's the first thing that God told David through the prophet. And I want to tell you something, church. We never know what giants we're going to face in the next chapter. Come on, one chapter apart. Anointed in 16, you meet Goliath in 17. So that's why the Bible tells us, don't you be filled with wine wherein is excess, but you be filled with the Spirit. Because you never know what giant. And the Greek there is what? Continually being filled. Come on, how many could stand refilling? Yes. Yes. I want to tell you something. I want you to fulfill your ministry. Some of you are good at encouragers. Good encouragers. Somebody say yes. There's all kinds of ways that you can minister other than being behind a pulpit. Whatever it is. Some of you can write letters. Some of you can make chicken and dumplings when somebody's had a death in the family. If you can't cook, get it at KFC. But there's all kinds of ministry. Just being there with somebody that's gone through a tragedy and you don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. Just be there. (laughs) Whatever your ministry is. Now, let me tell you, I want to introduce you to um, this pastor. Dr. James McConnell. He is the founding pastor of Whitewell Metropolitan Tabernacle in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And it is a full gospel church. Dr. McConnell is retired now, but he went to that church when he was 19 years old and he stayed 57 years. How many of you know he knew something about conflict, burnout, probably family finances, the whole thing? Glory to God. Stayed 57 years. Now listen, I want to tell you about an incident that happened um, in his church. Sometime between those 20 years, between 1968 and 1998, Ireland was embroiled in a war and violence and bloodshed. Somebody say yes. Yes. Northern Ireland against Southern Ireland. It was the Catholics and the Protestants' fighting. Somebody say yes. Over whether Northern Ireland was going to remain a part of the United Kingdom. Or would it pull out separately? How many of you remember the IRA? It was a big... Uh, Just a time of violence, those 20 years between 68 and 98. Now listen, during that war, it's called the, the Troubles or the Sectarian War. One night, Pastor McConnell was preaching in the tabernacle. And in walked a paramilitary leader with a gun. Walked up the aisle and he was going to shoot Pastor McConnell. You know why? Because his wife had gotten saved And her life was so radically changed. He could hardly recognize her. And he's angry. So he's got a gun. I don't know if it was concealed when he was walking up the aisle or not. And then all of a sudden. Pastor McConnell's up there preaching. The man stops in his tracks. He turns around. And he runs out the church. And this man that later becomes a Christian. You know what he said? He's walking up with his gun. He said, I saw two big angels standing on either side of Pastor McConnell. How many of you know that make you make tracks? He ran out of that church and I said to myself, hey, that man With the gun was nothing more than a giant of distraction. Can I hear an amen? But listen to me. The power of the Holy Ghost anointing that was resting on that pastor was enough to keep that pastor from falling and I mean literally falling and it was enough to enable that pastor to go on and fulfill his calling. Here's my take. Heaven sent a security detail to blot out what hell plotted out and heaven sent conviction to a giant needing redemption and said. His soul. You may be here tonight and there I feel like somebody is being distracted from the ministry that God has for you. It may be burnout, conflicts, family issues, finances, you name it. But the Lord said to tell you tonight the Holy Ghost anointing It protected a pastor in Northern Ireland from a man with a gun ready to kill the pastor. And I want to tell you something. There are some promises about the anointing in the word of God. You've got to get your eyes off of that burnout and that conflict and get your eyes on what you already have. Listen to what the Bible says. He showeth mercy to his anointed. Psalms 18:50 and I tell you that anointing it is enough. And listen, the Bible says no, no now. Now know I that the Lord saveth, he rescues his anointing. Psalms 20 and verse 6, and it is enough. Now know I the Lord saves his anointed. Listen, he is the saving strength of his anointing. Uh, Psalms 28, 8, and it is enough. And I love this. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. How many would like to see the young people get anointed with fresh oil? And I tell you, it can keep you from falling, and it will enable you to fulfill your calling. You don't let the power of the Holy Ghost become too little in your eyes. You're up there walking on that roof. You should have been out in the battle, but you're on the roof. But you can make a choice. And start walking the other way. Can I hear an amen? Mm. We're not helpless. We can choose to do the right thing. Can I hear an amen? All right. Next, there's another key for overcoming giants of distraction. Not only do you need to take another look at the path of a Holy Ghost anointing. That's what God said to David through the prophet, I anointed thee. But the next thing, the second, thus saith the Lord was, I delivered thee. And he's talking about being delivered from the hand of Saul. So God is saying to David, David, you did not have to fall. Talking about spiritually. I anointed thee. There's been an anointing on you since you were a kid. 16, 17 years old. And I delivered thee. My hand is a powerful hand. I've delivered you over and over. You could have been delivered from adultery and murder. It was enough. Now, look at this. The Bible said that Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin but David slipped away now listen Bible scholar tells us that Saul tried to kill David 21 times I'm not saying it was a javelin every time but different ways it was 21 times so church what does that tell us 21 times he tried to kill him isn't that also saying God delivered him 21 times Come on, the 21 deliverances testify that all along. I love this. David's life was never really in the hand of King Saul. 21 deliverances said that all along his life was in the unseen hand of King Jesus. Come on. Now, when you're facing a giant of distraction, I don't know... Who this is speaking to. But I'm just being obedient to the Lord. Somebody's got a giant. And how many of you know those giants are persistent? 21 times Saul tried to take him out. A giant is out to destroy you. Listen, you just remind yourself 21 times if necessary. The one whose hand is over you is the one whose unseen hand holds you. I want to tell you about a little boy in Florida. I'm going to take this to youth camp. He was swimming in his backyard on a hot afternoon in Florida. And there was a gator in the lake. The little boy didn't know about it. His dad's working in the backyard and he looked over and he saw the gator. And he yelled out, go back, turn back. But it was too late. Just as the little boy turned around and reached his dad, the gator reached the kid. The gator snatched his legs and the father grabbed his son's arms. You want to talk about a tug of war? That gator was determined. But the father was also determined. There was another farmer in a truck. Thank God he had a gun. Somebody say yes. Driving his truck and he heard the screaming. He got out of the truck, got his shotgun, went over to the lake and shot the gator. The little boy... Remarkably recovered. He was in the hospital for weeks. A reporter came in, you know, to put the story in the newspaper. And the little boy showed him all of those scars that was on his legs. And then with great pride, this was just a kid. He said, and I've got some great scars on my arms too. rolled up his sleeves. And the little fella said, because my dad helped me and he wouldn't let me go. And I read that and I said yes to the gator. That little fellow was nothing but another meal. But to the father that little fellow was everything. The Lord sent me to tell you tonight the tug of war talking about um any hands the power of any hands look at the hands that have a hold of you tonight these are the same hands number one that lifted a 12 year old girl off her bed and death lost its sting These are the same hands that touched the eyes of a blind man and sight was restored. These are the same hands that touched a leper and his flesh was made whole. These are the same hands that touched the demon possessed and deliverance came. These are the same hands that were nailed to Calvary's tree and salvation was purchased. These are the same hands that hold our world and every in it these are the same hands that one day are going to wipe away every tear from our eyes oh do you get the idea maybe just maybe he can handle our burnout our conflict our family finances come on family issues and finances don't let the power of whose hands you're in become too little God said, I deliver thee out of the hand of Saul he was talking about. I anointed thee. Don't let a Holy Ghost anointing. You remember the story that was in the the church, the man with the gun ready to kill the pastor. Why did he do it? Why didn't he do it? Because he saw two angels. There was an anointing in the place. Somebody say, yes. Glory to God. And then the third key, overcoming giants of distraction. Take another look at the power in God's purpose for the ministry in your house. Now, let me say this first of all. Your house, quote unquote, it can represent the house you live in. How many of you know all of us have a ministry in the house we live in? Your house can also represent the house you work in. Somebody say yes. How many of you know we need to be ministers where we work? Yes, flesh out the gospel. The house could also be the house that you worship in. Come on. We should minister in the house of God. All right. Take another look at the power in God's purpose for the ministry in your house now how many of you know some of us are ministering in three houses where we live where we work and in the house of God you know whatever now let's look at this the third thus saith the Lord to David was not only did I anointed thee I delivered thee but he said I gave thee and let's look at that again he gave him three houses it was his master's house. Saul had been replaced. And then he said, I gave thee the house of Israel and the house of Judah. All right, look up here. That was just saying all of Israel. Israel and Judah in the south, the whole nation put together. So what, what God gave David was this. Listen, church, was the rule over all Israel. That's the two houses make up the whole nation. He gave him the rule over all Israel in place of Saul. Saul was replaced. Somebody say yes. The first king. So that's the rulership. Now listen. So God was saying, David, you did not have to fall. The power that I had, you know, have for your purpose to rule this nation was powerful enough to keep you from falling into adultery and murder. That's what he's saying. Okay, now, I want us to understand what God gave to David, rulership over the nation. This happened before he ever took the walk on the roof. Let's go back and look at this in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Our text was in chapter 11. Let's go back. Again, this is Nathan the prophet talking to David. He said, The Lord telleth thee, He will make thee an house, David, and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever, and thy throne established forever. This is what the prophet told him long before David ever was up on the rooftop. Now listen, look at that verse. Do you know what you just heard? That is God making a covenant with David. Somebody say yes. That's the Davidic covenant. Now listen, no mortal man can sit on a throne forever. How was that to be fulfilled? It points to the Messiah. Through Jesus being of the seed and the house of David Because he will sit on that throne, David's throne will last forever. How many of you know God had a powerful purpose for David to rule over all of Israel in the place of Saul? Mm, A powerful purpose. How many of you know the power behind that purpose could have kept David? He didn't have to fall. He needed to take another look. Look at this. I've tried to put it in a nutshell. David's God-given purpose was to rule over all Israel so that one day Christ could sit on David's throne to rule over all the world. Hey, I want to tell you something. Christ is the son of David. He was born in the city of David. He was of the house and lineage of David. And he shall forever sit on the throne of David to rule and reign. I want to tell you something. Now can you understand why Satan wanted to distract David from fulfilling his purpose? Because for that covenant to be fulfilled spelled Satan's doom. When Christ sits on the throne of David, how many of you know Satan is going to be in the lake of fire? Come on. Mm, it's no wonder he wanted to fight against David fulfilling His purpose, it spelled his doom. All right, I want to close with this story. Mm. I anointed thee, I delivered thee, and I gave thee the whole nation of Israel to rule over. Look at this. Once there was a preacher who stopped by a house in England to speak to the mother. And the little boy said to this preacher that stopped in, you can't talk to my mother now, she's praying. (laughs) Susanna Wesley, look at this drawing. She spent two hours nearly every day sitting in her kitchen with her long apron pulled up over her head so as not to be distracted. And all the while, she has ten children around her. How many of you know you need a big apron to block all that noise out? Susanna Wesley had 19, but ten of them lived through, you know, infancy and beyond. But she put that big apron up over her head so that she would not be distracted when ten kids are there, some of them playing, some of them studying, some of them reading. Now listen, every person in that household knew well when Susanna was under the apron, she was with God and she was not to be disturbed barring an emergency. This was her tent of meeting. That's what the tabernacle was called in the time of David. Her, and this was her tent of meeting. Now you think it's not important get alone with God, and not be distracted. Listen up, some of you know this. Of her sons, Charles and John, Charles and John, they were key leaders in the Great Awakening in the 1700s. Brought revival to England and America. Historians say because England had a great awakening, you know, in the 1700s, kept that nation from having a bloody revolution like France had. It changed the course of a nation. But not only were they leaders of the great awakening, one of the greatest revivals the planet has ever seen. Also, Charles and John Wesley were founders of the Methodist church. Somebody say yes. And do you realize that the Nazarene church broke off of the Methodist church? Somebody say yes. First church of God. Many of the Pentecostal churches trace their roots back to the Methodists. At one time they were the holy rollers. Somebody say yes. A lot of folks in here tonight, we're indebted to Susanna. Five generations ago, I had a grandpa that was a Methodist preacher. Now listen. John Wesley also led John Taylor to the Lord. And John Taylor's great grandson was Hudson Taylor. The most famous, renowned missionary to China ever. And he was the founder of China Um, Inland Ministries. There have been nine generations of preachers in the Taylor family. And you say, but Edna, where did it all start? It all started in a kitchen in England. Or at least I know this starting point. In a kitchen in England when a mother refused to be distracted. And she refused to believe that The purpose of her ministry in her house was too little. And I want to tell you something. The power behind God's purpose for your ministry in your house is enough to keep you from falling. It's enough to enable you to fulfill your calling. And that power that's behind God's purpose that He has for you is enough to enable you to handle all the conflicts, the burnout, the financial problems, and family issues. You can do it. And I said, Ron, make me one more slide. I want you to take a look at what you already have. And while you're at it, I want you to add an apron to the whole armor of God. And when you feel like you're getting distracted, get you a tent of meeting. Don't get distracted. I'm going to say this and we're going to open How many got something out of this tonight? I'm going to say this and we're going to pray. Don't let your ministry become too small to you. I got saved in a Southern Baptist church. You say anything about the Baptist and I'll beat you up. I've told you that before I went to play the piano for my girlfriend's. I couldn't live in the Baptist church. I had to go home. Raised in the home of an alcoholic father that was sometimes gone at a week at a time and we didn't know where he was. I saw a lot of things I should never see. I'll just let it go at that. That's why I love teenagers still doing youth camps at 71. Can you believe it? heard a lot of things I should never have heard listen to me I came back home Satan said what's going to happen you go up there and give your heart to God you've heard me say after 16 verses of just as I am I didn't care what anybody had to say the Baptist can get you saved The little village where I was raised had two churches, a Methodist church and a holy roller church, a little storefront Pentecostal church. I cast my lot with the holy rollers, probably because they let me play piano. Now, I said that to say this. If you drove through Clarksville, Ohio tonight in that little village, that little storefront church, it's not even a church anymore. I think they put apartments in it. People who would drive through the village, there's no indication, Jade, that it ever had been a church. And if some of the old timers... They might know that at one time it was a church. But people would look at that little humble building and they would think nothing good ever came out of that place. But I can still see the Ziegler oil stove and the opera seats and just a handful of us. But I came out of that church... God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in that church, 16. Some old women took me under. How many of you know every church has got a mother hen that'll sit on you and help you, give you counsel and help you to get the knowledge that you won't get at home when you don't come from a Christian home? What if it hadn't have been for that little storefront church? Where would I be? Don't discount. Don't let your ministry become too small. You never know what's going to become of that kid that you took an interest in. couldn't believe it there was so much dysfunction in my home but I remember going to my girlfriend's house those Baptist girls I'm talking about we sat around the table and all joined hands and the father blessed the food I thought everybody lived like we did I'd never seen anything like that it was so powerful So when they asked me to go to church with them, yes, I went. I could play. Play by ear. Don't discount your ministry. I'm going to open the altar. I'm going to ask as many of you as can. Come. I want 2020, 2020. I want this to be a special year. I want you to push yourself get out of your seats church and I want you to say devil you're a liar the tug of war is over I came with scars you've been pulling at me but I've got a father on the other end and he's got a hold of my life and he won't let me go the tug of war has already been won I shall be anointed with fresh oil there is power in the anointing I can fulfill my calling. You're able to keep me from falling. Come on. I want you to come and let just.